Fantastic. Well, it's uh, it's great to, to be together this morning, and and I just want to start by by sharing a um, a bit of a story of a moment in my life that happened uh, a few years ago when everything didn't exactly go to plan. Um, maybe you've had one of those stories, or you have a few of those stories that you can think back of um, in life when things didn't go exactly to plan. This was about five years or so ago, and. Um, I'd made plans with a friend, Kieran, who's actually here this morning, and um, it, we were going to go along to a comic and sci-fi convention in Plymouth. Now, that probably sounds like the worst possible day for some of you, but um, but we're a little bit on the geeky side, and so for us, it was something which was exciting, and we were, we were looking forward to, uh, and the day came round, and we decided that um, we'd both take our young boys, um, so Evan and Jacob, they were two and three at the time, and um, and we also another friend of Kieran's came along with us, and so I travelled up, I was going to drive, so I went up to Roach to pick them up, that's where he was living at the time, and we hit onto the A30 um, and started heading down, and we got chatting, and we were excited, and we were just talking, we missed the exit that we needed to, to head off down towards Plymouth, um, but we were so excited and talking that we didn't kind of realise it straight away, it was a little bit later that we realised it, and by the time we realised it, the next exit was coming along, um, and so the, the, I was in the outside lane, um, I usually am, the, the traffic was, was fairly heavy, um, the rain was coming down, it was very wet, um, so I needed to come into the inside lane quickly, put the brakes on, get ready for the exit, turn the steering wheel, wheels turn. The problem is the car doesn't. <laughs> and uh, you can probably imagine what kind of happened next. And so we, we hit the curb of the, the island in the junction, which kind of separates the, the road coming off of the A30 to the one going on it. We hit the curb, bounced up, went through a couple of road signs, across the slip road to join the A30, up another curb, through a fence, into a field. And the car finally came to a bit of a stop. And that moment I realised that for the whole time I've been holding my breath, I kind of breathe out. And in that breath, a hundred thoughts kind of flash through my mind. Is everyone okay? Has someone been hurt? How are the children? How badly is, is the car damaged? How much of all of this going to cost? What are we going to now do now? What's Rosie going to say? <laughs> you know, I, I didn't have time to fear the crash because it all just happened. But in that moment, I certainly feared the consequences. Thankfully, no one was hurt. Um, the kids were fine. Um, Kieran and his boy Jacob and his friend, they were picked up by family and they were, they were taken off back home. There were no other cars involved. And um, our car was written off, but for Evan, he, that just meant that he got the exciting story and memory of being able to ride in a car transporter. And he loved that. And, and for me, really, all that it meant was that for the next couple of years, every time we were going down the A30, Evan would kind of pipe up in the back of the car, Don't crash, Daddy! Which is... Uh, <laughs> Exactly what it is that you, you want to hear, isn't it? But you know, there are times when we face things and there are things that we go through in life that can be scary, can't they? You know, we, we all, I'm sure, have been through things. You know, how many of you would agree that, agree that at one time or another, fear is a pretty common experience? And sometimes that fear might be of something which is coming in the future, Sometimes that, that fear might be to do with facing the consequences of something that has happened in the past. Sometimes it can be a fear that is, is just there for as we face a moment and once we're through it, it's gone. And sometimes actually that fear can be something that we almost live with constantly. And, and fear, sometimes, do you know, sometimes it can actually be a good thing. You know, God designed us and made us to be people who feel fear. 
You know, if, you, if you're walking along the coast path and you kind of get a little bit close to the, to the cliff and a stone slips away, it's fear that makes you jump back and get back on solid ground. That's a good thing. You know, a little bit less likely maybe here in Cornwall, but if you find yourself one day being chased by a lion or a bear, then, you know, it is fear that sends the adrenaline rushing into your body and helps you to run faster to be able to, to get away. And so fear is something which is natural. It's something which God has designed as part of who we are. It's something that we're going to face and fear can actually be a, a good thing. But most often when we think about fear, most often when you and I think about fear and I talk to you about fear, I imagine the kind of things that come to your mind and the kind of things that you think about aren't those kind of things. They're not the good things. When you think about fear, it's almost always in a kind of a bad sense, isn't it? It's something that that makes us hold back from saying something or, or from doing something. It's something which makes us hold back from building a relationship with somebody. It's something which makes us withdraw into our, ourselves and limits us and stops us from being free to be fully who God made us to be and to, to do what God made us to do. You know, we, we fear, maybe it's just me sometimes, but we fear being rejected. We, we, we fear the idea that we're not enough. We, we fear failure and letting people down. Or maybe we fear that someone else is going to let us down again. We, we fear losing the things or the people that we love. And the impact that that might have on us. You know, fear is something that we, we all face in, in different ways and at different times. And it can be hard sometimes to know what to do with it. What do we do with that emotion? What do we do when that fear starts rising up and it just kind of overwhelms us? And, and so this morning, as we continue our series, Jesus in Focus, I want to help us to, to begin to see clearly and bring into focus Jesus' perspective on fear. And what he says to his disciples, what he says to those of us who are his followers to do with fear. You know, one of the most common commands, you don't have to read too far through the Bible to find it. It kind of crops up again and again and again and again. One of the most common commands that you'll find throughout the Bible is fear not. Don't don't be afraid. And it's something that Jesus says to his followers too. In in Matthew 10, we'll look at it in a moment, but in Matthew 10, just to give you a bit of context, Matthew tells us about a time when Jesus gets his his 12 disciples together. And he says to them, look, you know, we've been journeying for a little while now. You've been around me. You've seen me heal. You've seen me do this and that. You've heard all of this different kind of teaching. We've been having a a great time together, haven't we? Now, I'm going to split you into teams of two. And send you out, and it's your turn. You teach. You go heal people. You go cast out demons. It's your turn. You go and do it. You go do what I've been doing. And he says, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. It's not all going to be easy. There'll be times when you're arrested. There'll be times when you're beaten. There'll be times when you're flogged. Some of you will have to sacrifice a lot to follow me. And he says, but don't be afraid. And and you can kind of imagine the disciples in this moment, or if I was one of the disciples in this moment, I can certainly imagine how I'd be feeling in that. You know, it's all well and good for you to say, Jesus, you're the one who's, who's, who's been going around doing the teaching and the healing and the miracles and everything. It's been great seeing you, but, but now you're asking me to do it, but not only are you asking me to do it, you're not even going to be with me. 
You're sending me out on my own and you want me to try and do that kind of stuff. You want me to go up to someone and pray for them and expect them to be healed. And not only that, but you're telling me that I'm putting myself on the line and people won't even thank me for it. I'm putting myself on the line and people are going to reject me. People are going to beat me. People are going to arrest me. And this is what Jesus says, pop up behind me to them in Matthew 10 verses 28 to 31. He says, do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. So Jesus is saying, don't be afraid. Don't allow fear in that can control you. Fear in that can hold you back and can limit you and have a negative effect on you. But then he goes on and it's kind of confusing because then he says, but do be afraid. There's a right fear for you to have. Fear is good sometimes. Fear can lead to right responses within us. So do be afraid. Just make sure you're afraid of the right things. And this can be kind of hard for us to understand. But for the disciples, I think this would have been a key moment when everything started to click. Because you see, for the disciples, they'd been through an experience a little bit before this which kind of gave them the context for it and kind of meant that they began to connect the dots because of this experience a little while before. And it's a famous story. I'm sure most of you will be familiar with it. We're going to look at it in in Mark chapter 4. Jesus has been teaching and he's been ministering to people all day long and he's surrounded by the crowd and it's getting late. And he decides it's time to kind of come away from the crowd. And uh, and so this is what we read in Mark 4 verse 35. It says, that day... When evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. And so far, this is all pretty normal. This isn't unusual in in terms of things. You know, a number of the disciples, the people who followed Jesus, were fishermen by trade. In in fact, the, the Sea of Galilee, where they are at this moment, is the sea which they fished on. So they know it. They're familiar with it. They're used to being out on their water. They're used to being out in boats. This has got every reason to be be confident in this moment. And then suddenly we read in verse 37, A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. And we're familiar, so we kind of pass this by, but just try and put yourselves in the disciples' shoes for a second. Now, have you ever faced a moment in life, a time in life when you were scared, when you were terrified, when you were involved in an accident and you had no idea what was going to happen next, or if you were ever going to make it through, when you were trapped or, or locked inside something and you didn't know how to get out, and in that moment you just kind of have this panic kind of welling up within you. What's going to happen? How are we going to get through this? And these guys on the boat, they might have been familiar with the water, but that only meant that they were familiar with the dangers of the water as well. And this storm is huge. The the waves are, are crashing over the boat and threatening to pull it under. The boat is filling up with water. And, and they look around at them and, and everything that they see around them as they look and they see the, the wind and the waves and the storm and the noise, everything around them just simply creates fear. 
And this fear starts to, to overwhelm them and they start to panic and you can kind of imagine them being there trying to bail out the water as fast as they could. And then at one point in the midst of the chaos and in the midst of the fear, in the midst of the storm, one of the disciples kind of looks around and he kind of wonders, where's, where's Jesus? And Mark tells us in verse 38 exactly where Jesus is. He says, Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. I love that little detail. You know, it's not enough that Jesus was there and he was asleep in the boat, but he was comfy. He was on a cushion. He was, you know, out for the count, just enjoying a nap and a bit of a space. And so they're there thinking that we're going to drown. And Jesus is asleep. And here's the thing. Some of you have been through things in life. Some of you have been through hard things, through difficult things, through times when you were scared. When you faced tragedy and you prayed and you talked to God about it and you cried out to God about it and he didn't respond in the way that you thought he should. In fact, it kind of just felt like in the midst of everything that you were facing, Jesus was asleep. And in the midst of the storm, it's left you with questions to do with God. Where was God when you needed him? How can he he really care about you when he allowed that to happen? And do you know what? I get why you have those kind of questions. I get why you do. And do you know what? It's completely the way that all of us respond. Because the disciples respond in just the same way too. The disciples who were with Jesus in that boat, who could see him physically there, they had those questions too. So Mark writes that once they'd found Jesus, the disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Don't you care? As they find Jesus asleep on a a cushion, they just don't get it. And they shake him and they wake him up and they say, Can't you see that we're in the midst of fighting for our lives? Can't you see that with a storm here, we're about to to drown and we're all going to die? Don't you care? God, don't you care? God, don't you care that I've, I've lost my job and I don't know where the next one's coming and I don't know how I'm going to make ends meet and I don't know what the future holds. Don't you care? God, my wife's ill. She's got Alzheimer's and I walk into the room and she looks at me and she doesn't even know who I am anymore. Don't you care? God, I'm struggling on my own and I'm doing my best to raise and provide for my kids, but I'm a single parent and it's hard. Don't you care? God, I've been battling with this habit. I've been battling with these thoughts. I've been battling with these different things that I struggle with for so many years and I just can't seem to get free of it. Don't you care? It's destroying my life. Don't you care? And Jesus, he he looks around and he sees the the wind and the the waves and the storm and he sees the fear in their eyes and the very first thing that he says isn't even to the disciples he looks at the wind and the waves and the storm and he commands them and he says quiet be still 
and instantly everything changes. In a a single moment, because the miracle isn't the fact that the storm stops. Storms always stop, but in an instant, the wind dies down and the waves go down and the, the seed of Galilee that was once a moment ago raging stands calm and still. There's peace and silence. And you can imagine the disciples just staring at Jesus. And in verse 40 we read, Jesus said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And if I was one of the disciples in that boat, I'd be thinking, are you crazy? You've seen the storm. You saw the situation we were in. Of course I'm scared. How else would I respond? I've got every reason to be. And I think when Jesus wakes and he sees the storm and his silence is it, and then he turns to his disciples and he asks this question, he's not telling them off. He knows exactly why the disciples were afraid. He saw the storm and he knows the very real possibility that they could have all drowned. And so I don't think Jesus is telling them off for being afraid, for feeling fear. It was natural in that moment. We'd all feel fear in that moment. What he's really asking is, why is it when faced with that fear, when faced with the storm, that it made you so Afraid. Afraid in that kind of a way. Why is it that it caused that kind of a reaction, that kind of a response from you? Jesus gets that there was a raging storm. But why is it that when faced with fear, it caused such panic? And made them turn to Jesus and cry out to Jesus, don't you care? Why is it that when faced with the storm, they were afraid in a way that meant that they became people who were panicked and people who were angry? Jesus is wanting to bring to light the bigger issues inside of them that need to be dealt with. The real issue isn't the circumstances. Everybody would feel fear in the face of those circumstances. It isn't the fact that they felt fear. What he's wanting to bring to light is the impact that it had on them and what that revealed about their lack of faith and their lack of trust in him. Because they panicked and they became angry. And I think Jesus probably says what he, he does because he kind of hoped that after the disciples had seen him care for people, after the disciples had seen him heal people and cast out demons, after they'd lived with him for this time and, and heard his teaching and caught his heart and knew his character, that they would know that of course he cared, that he loved them. And that they would have had more faith in him in the present. And then after Jesus calms the storm and asks them this question that shines a light on their hearts and where they're really at, Mark tells us this. He talks about the disciples. He said, they were terrified. Storm's gone. But they were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind 
and the waves obey him. And so one moment they're afraid of drowning and the next moment they're more afraid of Jesus. They thought, oh my goodness, who are we in a boat with? The wind and the waves obey this man's words. And I think this is an amazing question to ask. It's a big question. It's an important question for us to ask. Who is this? Who is Jesus? It's one of the most important questions that you'll ever wrestle with in your life. And it's a question that we keep exploring and going deeper in for the entirety of our lives. Who is Jesus? And what makes him greater than the storms that I face in life? What makes him greater than the things that I fear the most? Is he simply a teacher who had some nice things to say or is there something more? And in this moment, in this moment of stillness and calm over the Sea of Galilee, the disciples glimpse something more of who Jesus is. That he is mighty and powerful. That he not only is able to heal people, he not only has spiritual authority and is able to forgive people, but he has authority over nature itself. And suddenly, because Jesus is with them, the idea of, 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 of panicking, not the idea of fear, because that's natural, but the idea of panicking in the midst of the storm seems ludicrous. With Jesus with them, they know that whatever fear is in front of them, that they can face it and they can overcome. Because even the wind and the waves obey him. You know, and sometimes while we know the truth that Jesus is powerful up here, In our heads. When the waves come crashing into our lives. When we're hit with the storms of life. We can lose sight of that truth in here. In our hearts. We can lose sight of the fact. That when faced with the storms of life. We have the one who heals the sick. We have the one who has conquered death. We have the one who has created everything. And has power over nature itself. We have the one who, who loves us. And cares for us. And has every ability to do something about what it is that we're facing with us. And sometimes just as with the disciples. It actually takes the storm. And is coming through the storm for us to see something more. Of who Jesus is. You know, and I think this whole experience for the disciples would have been at the back of their mind in that moment that we began with when, when Jesus was sending them out and explaining to them how it was, it was all going to happen and all going to work and how they're going to go out in twos and they're going to be the ones who, who teach. They're going to be the ones who heal people. They're going to be the ones doing the miracles. When they're being faced with all these things that they'd naturally be afraid of. Having to to step out in faith and step out in boldness. Having to put themselves into the positions where they're going to be rejected by people. And arrested and beaten and flogged. and All these things that it's natural for them to fear. I think it's this experience that they had in the boat that helps them to make sense of what it is that Jesus is now saying and teaching them. Don't fear... The one who can kill the body but can't hurt the soul. Don't fear the storms of life. Don't fear the disease or the illness. Don't fear people and being rejected. All they can do is destroy the body. Put it into perspective. 
The one who is with you is the one who commands the wind and the waves. So instead, fear or reverence, the one who controls your ultimate destiny, the one who holds the power over life and death for eternity. Let your fear of the storms be put into perspective as you realize who it is that's sharing the boat with you. Who it is who's promised to be with you, to never leave you, to never forsake you. You don't have to be afraid. Even when there's something in the natural to be afraid of. Because with you in the midst of the storm is the one who commands the wind and the waves. And maybe not straight away, but the disciples, in time, they got this. You know, the Apostle Paul got this. That's why he could go through being imprisoned and being shipwrecked and, you know, everything that he went through that would cause us so much fear. But in the, in the midst of all of the things that would naturally cause us to, to fear, he kept that fear in perspective. It's not that he didn't face the fear or feel the fear, but he kept that fear in perspective. And so he wasn't afraid. He didn't panic. He didn't get angry. He had it all in perspective. He knew that the one who was with him was greater. He knew that he had with him the one who held eternity in his hands. That he had an eternity with Jesus to look forward to and that nothing that he was facing in the present could do one jot to change that. Could take that away from him for a moment. You know, the Christians in the early church, they got this too. You know, in the late second century, there was an emperor called Marcus Aurelius. And um, if you've ever seen the old blockbuster Gladiator, I used to love that film. I haven't seen it for years, but used to love that film with Russell Crowe. You know, Marcus Aurelius is the old emperor at the beginning who gets killed. Just to give you a little bit of context so you can picture the kind of time we're talking about. You know, and, um, you know, there was a, a Roman doctor, a famous Roman doctor in that time called um, Claudius Galenus. And uh, this is about 170 AD. And in his writings, he, he talks about the Christians. Uh, and it's not the most pleasant thing to think about. But back in that day, it was illegal to do examinations or autopsies on dead bodies. You weren't allowed to do it. And, and so what doctors would do instead is that they would kind of hang around the arenas and the places where people were being tortured and killed and put to death and all of that kind of thing. Places where people were dying because they were allowed to examine the dying bodies. They're just not allowed to examine the dead bodies. And so this famous doctor who examined lots of different dying bodies, examined the dying bodies of Christians in the early church. Christians being persecuted and being put to, to death in the arenas. And so over a hundred years after Jesus has, has lived and taught and died and rose again to a new life, Christians are being tortured and they're being persecuted for their faith. And this is something that they have every reason to be afraid of. And in his writings, this famous doctor wrote about the uh, Christians, and he wrote this. He said, For fearlessness of death and the hereafter is something we witness in them every day. He's saying it's like no matter what we put them through, as we try and destroy Christianity every single day, their fearlessness of death and what's going to come after death is something we witness in them. It shines through from them. It was the fearlessness of Christians that captured the attention of the Romans 
at that time because everyone fears death. That's what the Romans did so much of. They knew what it was. He examined dead bodies, dying bodies all the time. He knew dying people. Everybody fears death. Except those who believe and have with them in that moment, in what they're facing, in the midst of that storm, a risen saviour. And they know he holds eternity in his hands. And that for them, that's just the start of that great adventure with him. And I don't think it was that the Christians weren't afraid. They were. They felt fear. They knew fear. But they didn't allow that fear to control them. Or limit them or hold them back. Because they kept their fear in perspective. They were so aware of the answer to that key question. Who is Jesus? That he is the one who is greater. That he is the one who has the power over the wind and the waves. That he is the one who holds our life and our death for not just in this life but eternity in his hands. That he is the one they fear and reverence. They had such a vision of who Jesus was, such an awe of Jesus. They, they grasped not just his, his love and his compassion, but how mighty he was, how powerful he was. They had such a vision of Jesus that it put everything else into perspective. And so the question then isn't how do we stop being afraid? You know, there are always going to be things that we, we face in life that cause us to fear. The question is, how do we put that fear into perspective? How do we overcome fear so that it no longer has a grip on us and controls us and overwhelms us and causes us to react in ways that we don't want to react and to do things that we don't want to do, causes us to withdraw ourselves and to put barriers up to protect ourselves from people? How do we handle fear in a way that means that we're not stopped from being who God made us to be or doing what God has made us to do? How is it that we can face the things in life that might cause us to fear in such a way that we're able to put them side by side with Jesus and get some perspective? And in place of panic or worry or anxiety or anger, we're able to face that fear with peace and confidence because the one who is with us is the one who commands the wind and the waves and he is with us in the midst of the storm I don't know about you but I need God's help to overcome fear I need God's help in those times when I lose that perspective and I know I can allow Fear of how people will respond to to alter what it is that really I want to say or do. And for the disciples in the boat that day, everything changed when Jesus came into focus. When they saw something more of who Jesus was. When they realized the power of the one who was with them, everything changed. And so the first thing that I want to encourage all of us to, to do is to pursue something more of Jesus. To fix our eyes on him, to commit ourselves to discover something more of who he is. You know, when Jesus teaches 
us to pray, you know, he starts it by teaching us to fix our eyes on God, to fix our eyes on who he is. And letting that put everything else that we're thinking about praying about, letting that put everything else that's going on in our lives into perspective. And that's why praying out and speaking out statements, that's why singing out songs that, that talk about who God is and how great he is, is so important and so powerful. You know, yes, God delights in our praises. Yes, God deserves our praises, but he doesn't need them. Do you know who does? We do. We need to praise him. Because it's actually as we speak out how great God is and who he is, that we are impacted, that our faith is stirred, that our perspective is changed. And Jesus comes into focus. You know, and Jesus is always wanting to, to show us something more of who he is. You know, sometimes our relationship with him can become so one-sided, can't it? We get caught up talking to Jesus about what's going on in our lives. We get caught up talking to Jesus about the different things that we want or we need and the help and this and that and the next thing. When really what we need and what would change everything is simply to see something more of who he is. To encounter Jesus in a fresh way. And so I want to encourage you to, to make space this week. I want to encourage you as you're, you're reading your Bible, as you're spending time in, in prayer, to make space. Not just to be constantly filling yourself with, thing, with information from the Bible, not constantly to be speaking then and, and kind of dominating the airspace as you're talking in your prayer time, but to make space to wait on God. To make space to, to rest with Him and just to ask Him in that moment to say, God, how long I'm hungry. I'm longing to see something more of who you are. Not to get anything, not for any other reason, but just because I want to see something more of you. You know, we have the most amazing, infinite God who has no end. And yet so often I feel like in my life, and maybe you feel like it too, we can just settle for scratching the surface of who he is. We've scratched the surface and we know something and it's good and it's enough to make us give faith. It's enough to make us want to live for him, but it's just the surface. We've got an infinite, incredible God who wants to reveal something more of who he is to us. So let's pursue him. Let's pursue something more of Jesus. Let's be a people who are hungry for something more of God. Because I'm convinced that as we see something more of who Jesus is, it puts everything else into perspective. And everything starts to change. The other thing that I think we can take hold of when it comes to how we face our fears that we we see the disciples do, this is the one thing that they do get right. It's to simply take our fears, to take the things that we're afraid of to Jesus. You know, the disciples might have allowed themselves to, to lose perspective. They might have allowed themselves to be overcome by fear and for that fear to kind of rise up and to take hold of them and cause them to panic and to get angry. But at least they get it right by taking their fear to Jesus, by looking to him as the one who can, can help. You know, we don't have to try and fake it with God. We don't have to try and 
just kind of battle through and say, I'm just, you know, as, as much as we want to speak out truth about who he is and that stirs our hearts in faith, we've got to be real with him too. We don't have to try and fake it with God. He wants us to be real with him. You know, when you are facing something that makes you afraid, when fear comes in, whatever it might be, over whatever it might be about, don't try to squash it. Don't try to hide it. Don't try to deny it. Bring it into the light and bring it to Jesus. Because yes, we have an amazing God who is awesome and powerful and we, we should fear and reverence and be in awe of. But he also cares for you. And he loves you. And he's compassionate and merciful and kind. And you know, one of the things that just blows my mind is that God in Jesus has experienced pain. He's experienced rejection. He's experienced fear. You know, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was afraid. He felt fear. He knew what fear was. To God, we don't come to God as this great, distant, otherworldly being. We come to God as the one who empathizes with us, who gets it. And you might have fears that you feel like you can't share with anybody and you just kind of bottle. You might even have fears that you don't even feel like you can face them yourself and you just try and kind of hide them and protect yourself and pretend they're not there and get on with life. But then every now and again, they kind of burst out and you can't deny it anymore. But whatever it is, you can tell your heavenly father. Because he loves you and he cares for you. And he accepts you just as you are. Maybe you need to have a conversation with God this morning. Maybe there's an area of your life that you've been holding back from him. A decision that you're facing, something that happened a long time ago that you've, you've just tried to kind of put a lid on and ignore something that you've got coming up. And you've just been struggling to trust him with it. And today Jesus is saying to you, don't be afraid. I'm with you. I'm with you. You can trust me. Fear not because I am with you. You don't need to fear anyone or, or anything that can only harm your body because, because you have been invited to surrender your fears to a God who loves you and is with you and has power over everything and he's not surprised by anything. And he will be with you and he will walk you through it. Here's, here's what I want, to, want us to do as we finish. I want us to just take a few moments to put into practice what we've been talking about. Um, if the band could come up and, and just get themselves ready, that would be great. And they'll just lead us. And, and we're going to take a time, and we want to take a time to, to fix our eyes again on Jesus. And as we do that, let's open our hearts to God and ask God to show us something more of who he is. As we sing out and as we speak out his truths to Jesus, let's just ask God to show us something more of who he is. But I also want us to be able to bring our fears to Jesus this morning. So let me first just ask you to close your eyes. You don't have to bow your heads. You don't have to do anything funny. Just close your eyes for a moment. 
And now think about the thing that you fear the most. A nice thing to do, it's not something you want to do, it's something you probably try and avoid doing most of your life, but just for this moment, think about the thing that you fear the most. For some of you, it might be losing a child. For some of you, it might be about money and you just don't know how things are going to kind of come about. For some of you, it's a, a fear of being rejected and of not being enough. For some of you, it's health. For some of you, maybe it's to do with a relationship, maybe it's to do with your marriage. What is it that you fear most? What is it that is like a storm crashing over the boat and that leaves you feeling like Jesus is asleep? I'm wondering if God is even there. And whatever that is, I want to encourage you in your own way to bring that fear to God. To more than bring it to him, to invite him into that fear with you. To know that he is in the midst of it with you right now. And I just want to say to you what I believe Jesus would say to you. Fear not. I am with you. Fear not. I am with you. Even when there's something or someone that you have every reason to be afraid of, fear not. I am with you.